Hello everyone, my name is Brendan Mart. I'm going to hear it's my Ben Wager. And welcome to Vince Turner's They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. Today is the final day in discussing the battles of the Star Wars saga. As today we will be discussing the Battle of Exegol. I will not give you a blow-by-blow breakdown of the battle. Suffice to say that like many of the great Star Wars battles, it takes place in multiple theaters. Meaning that in this case you've got the Sky Battle. I'll call it Sky Battle because it doesn't take place in space, oddly enough. And then you've got the lightsaber battle. A lot of the great Star Wars battles take place in multiple theaters or multiple environments. The most iconic, of course, being the Battle of Endor, taking place in space, on land, and a lightsaber duel. Now, the Battle of Exegol is unique because the spaceship battle takes place in the atmosphere. That's not really something we've seen, other than The Force Awakens had a bit of that, at the Battle of Starkiller Base being in the air. But now we see a battle in the atmosphere on Exegol. The, uh, the final order needed to raise its fleet of star destroyers out of the atmosphere uh, before they could activate their shields, meaning that they were vulnerable at this point when they were in the atmosphere. Once the resistance arrived, they were able to attack the rather undefended Star Destroyers. I mean, certainly they had a lot of defenses, a lot of gun emplacements, but without their shield, they were pretty vulnerable. Now, Rose Tico, through her engineering wisdom, had determined that firing on the Star Destroyers' lasers their uh, underside planet-killing lasers, firing on those gun emplacements would destroy the entire ship. I'm assuming it's because such a planet-killing weapon would probably draw so much energy from the core of the ship that it would destroy the whole thing. It makes sense to me, and I'm. And in case anybody wonders whether or not Rose actually contributed anything in the Rise of Skywalker, she's the one who figured that out. So thanks to Rose and her engineering uh, skills, the Resistance was able to learn a weakness in destroying those Tardis troops. 
I assume the laser was tied so closely to the core that yeah, blow up the laser and kaboom. Um, now it seems like they were able to send out at least one of these Star Destroyers. The one that destroyed the planet Kajimi. But they probably had to send them out one at a time. Because of just how hostile the atmosphere is. Now this probably also means the resistance ships were without shielding too. But they were willing to take the risk. I'm assuming it's because of all the storms in the atmosphere of Exegol. The Resistance mission was to destroy that tower that would help guide the Star Destroyer fleet out of the atmosphere. Now, while all of this was going on, Ray was engaged in a fierce fight with her grandfather, the Emperor Palpatine. Now, thankfully, Kylo Ren, who had rejected Kylo Ren and become Ben Solo, arrived in the nick of time to help Ray. And through the incredible power of their dyad, she was able to pass Luke's lightsaber to Ben, even though they were separated. Kind of prophetic because in the rise in the Force Awakens, Ben had said, That lightsaber, it belongs to me. He finally got it. Now, I heard a debate the other day, and I need to give my two cents. Somebody said, Well, how in the world did Palpatine not know about their dyad? If he, through her his puppet Snoke, knew about the force bond between Kylo and Rey. My theory is that force bonds are fairly common. But a dyad is rare. A dyad is just a further evolution of a bond. That That's, I think, what is being implied. So no, I don't think it's a continuity problem or a logical movie problem. Or a plot mold. No, I think a dyad is a further step. Something very rare, something very unusual. That goes beyond what a forced bond might. Which then makes you wonder if Snoke knew their minds were connected. But Snoke and Palpatine probably didn't know just how deep their communication was able to go. Until Palpatine went, ooh, this is something more. So that's my theory. Anyhow, Kylo was able to make short work of some of the Knights of Ren and some of Palpatine's guards. Helping Ray move closer to her goal. Now, of course, when when Ray Ray and uh, Ben were in the same room, they're facing down Palpatine. 
he drained a little bit of their energy and used it to change his costume, which I thought was kind of funny. And able to get off his life support thing. But then, he, he basically tossed Ben into a pit. But leaving both lightsabers in Ray's hands. Combining the lightsabers of Luke and Leia. Palpatine's force lightning rebounded off those crossbars until he basically ripped himself apart, killing Ray in the process. Unfortunately, Ben, of course, emerged from the hole in a very resurrection-style image and gave his life to force heal Ray and bring her back to life. And then the resistance succeeded in taking down the lead uh, Star Destroyer and destroying the fleet. And a great victory had been won. And, the, and Ben Solo had given his life. Now, yesterday I talked about a quote from Obi-Wan Kenobi. When he said, The Emperor knew, as I did, that if Anakin were to have any offspring, they would be a threat to him. All the more fitting that those offspring, Luke and Maya, that their lightsabers, together, would be the tools that would ultimately bring an end to Darth Sidious a.k.a. Palpatine. And that, in a nutshell, is the Battle of Exegol. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and I'll be right back to talk about my feelings. Okay, we're back. Alright. I really like the Battle of Exegol. I think that Luke's final stand in The Last Jedi. We saw with the kids on, on Cantabite that the legend of Luke's great deeds had given them hope. The galaxy had that spark of hope rekindled. Like the lighting of the beacons in The Lord of the Rings, the return of the king. Hope was rekindled. I believe this is how Lando was able to recruit so many to come and fight on Exegol. He arrived when all hope seemed lost. As the small resistance fleet tried without any success to fight the battle. Lando appeared with a great fleet of those who had been inspired to come and fight. Leia remarked in The Last Jedi that no one came because hope had been lost. 
But hope had been rekindled by Luke and by others. And they all came together to fight the Emperor one final time. Destroying the, th the threat to the galaxy. Destroying the First Order. Allegiant General Pride, Emperor Palpatine. All gone. I think that's how they were able to come, is because they had hope. And I think that's a great message. I think that a lot of things happen here that I very much enjoy. The fact that Leia had a lightsaber to me is amazing. The fact that Ben gives his life for Rey. Foreshadowed by her first killing the snake on uh, Pisana. When Ray said that you had to give your life energy to heal another. Foreshadowed, very brilliant. I love, the visuals are nice. I like uh, <laughs> the image of the Orbax, the, the horse-like creatures being ridden across the top of a Star Destroyer. And things like that. I just love, there's so many things that I love in this battle. The Dyad was extremely powerful because after Palpatine drained a little bit of the Dyad between Ben and Ray, he was able to unleash some pretty amazing lightning. It shows you how powerful that dyad is. A lot of great moments in the movie of Ian McDermott doing his great over-the-top Palpatine acting, which I love. Some nice music and great visuals. Some sad casualties, like Snap Wexley, and supposedly me and Nim, though they didn't happen on screen. So I still say, nope, he's alive. And Lando getting to do his thing. Fly in to save the day again. You know, it's so amazing that it seemed that almost no time had passed. Lando was still the same Lando we knew and loved. And it was almost like he never left. So some wonderful things going on in this battle. It's a fun battle to watch. There's a lot of emotions going on. Great conclusions to these things. A great conclusion to Star Wars. And something unique, too, by having a ship battle in the atmosphere. It's just so many things that we could talk about. So many things that I enjoy about this battle.
So, those are my thoughts on the Battle of Exegol. Let me know what you think about this battle. And that brings us to the end of our catalog of the major battles of the Star Wars film saga. And that will do it. My name is Brendan Marr, and that noise you're hearing sign down later. And thank you for tuning in to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. <laughs>